but it's humans that we're working with and trying to sell to and prospect to. So create the content for the human and forget the SEO. I'm not saying that SEO is not good. I'm not saying that you don't have to do SEO, but I definitely am suggesting that to have a percentage of your content, which just says, forget the SEO. This feels like the right thing to do based on my understanding and the conversations that I've had with prospects. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Market Mentors podcast. I'm Matt Dodgson, co-founder of Market Recruitment, and we connect B2B tech and SaaS businesses with marketers to help them grow. This week, we're joined by Mark Colgan. So I've known Mark for nearly a decade now after placing him into one of his early marketing jobs. Previously, a chief revenue officer for a high-growth B2B tech business, and right now, he's co-founder and CEO of Talk On Podcasts, a podcast booking agency for B2B and tech brands. So someone who knows a lot about scaling businesses and using content as a lever for that. I hope you enjoy. So welcome to the Market Mentors podcast, Mark. Hey, Matt. Thanks so much for having me here. I'm looking forward to it. Absolute pleasure. So before we get stuck into this one, I'd love to know a little bit more about your background. Sure. So I started back in 2005 or 2006 or seven in recruitment. I worked for agencies and then I went in-house and worked in their HR teams. I then moved into marketing after about three years in recruitment, worked for only B2B tech companies and SaaS companies for about four or five years. Then I took a year sabbatical. I say a sabbatical, Matt, I didn't have a job to come back to. I just took an extended gap year in my thirties, <laughs> realized that I didn't have to go back to a nine to five. So I set up my own marketing consultancy. And then that led me two years later to work in a fully remote hundred person business, where, which I ran as chief revenue officer. And then more recently in June, 2020, started my business Speak on Podcast with my business partner, Jakob. Awesome. So you're one of the smart ones that got out of recruitment. I guess so, but it's taught me so much that I use every day, whether that be the business development side or the people side and just managing conversations and expectations with people, whether that be prospects or even the people in my team. So I'm a big advocate for recruiters and think everybody should start their career in recruitment. Well, I think recruitment's all about good marketing. It's all about persuasion. It's all about motivating people to do something. I can hear you there, definitely. So it may be an obvious question, but why do you think it's important to create content that prospects care about today then? Yeah, I think there's never been a time where there's as much content and information on the internet. There's so many companies just creating generic and bland podcasts, which tick the boxes because they've been told or they have committed to writing three or four blog posts a month. Like I skim read a lot of content and if it's just a very high level, I've just thought, this is not good. I've not learned anything and it actually isn't helping me do my job better. Whereas those companies that really focus on the challenges that their prospects have, and those challenges don't just have to be a service or solution that you solve. So take you, for example, Matt, if you only spoke about recruitment, well, for a chief marketing officer, recruitment isn't the only problem or challenge that they have in their role. So really focusing on that wider picture and understanding and demonstrating that you understand the challenges that they're in allows them to build a relationship with you as a company and you as an individual. And essentially, all you're trying to do is become the trusted advisor so that when they do have a challenge, let's say it's specifically for recruitment, they think of you. Hmm. I love that trusted advisor phrase. It's so true, isn't it? Okay, let's say we've decided to ignore sort of SEO and keyword research then and focus on this strategy instead. What's the first step? Yeah, so the first step is just understand who your buyers are, understand who your prospects are. Quite a few ways you can do that. Obviously, any marketer worth their salt would say you need to understand your buyer personas. So build out those buyer personas. 
the unfortunate thing about buyer personas and ideal customer profiles, so buyer persona being the individuals and the ideal customer profile being the type of companies that you want to work with, they often get created once and then just left to sit on the shelf and collect dust. So what I'd recommend you do is speak to these people, first of all, to double check that your assumptions of their role is correct. Then you can also look at job descriptions. So this is the recruitment coming back into it, Matt. I look at job descriptions on a weekly basis just to understand how people are describing the challenges and the responsibilities of the target audience. So say it is that chief marketing officer. Two or three years ago, if you're a B2C brand, TikTok wasn't even on the agenda. Whereas now it's probably quite a good channel if you're, again, B2C more than anything. So people are being asked to come to a business with experience of TikTok. So if you're targeting CMOs at B2Cs and you're not a TikTok influencer agency or marketing agency, you still know that that's something that they need to understand and know about. So why not create some content about them and become the trusted go-to source for any information when it comes to marketing? Yeah, I think job descriptions have so much value. I mean, there's so much in there about what a business is going through. Are they implementing some new technology? Are they starting a new strategy? Are they trying to build a community? There's loads of information that can actually help you understand exactly what they're trying to achieve as a company and perhaps in their marketing team as well. Yeah, I was working with a HR software and they are a particular tool for one part of HR. Yeah. But when I looked at all the job descriptions of these HR professionals, so they're typically HR directors or HR business partners, one of the lines I kept seeing in all of the job descriptions was to become the internal domain expert for all employee relations matters. Yeah. So then I looked online to see who's talking about how do you become a domain expert? That's what everybody's being asked to. No one's creating content for it. Yeah. And I think they're not creating content because it's probably not related to their keywords and their SEO strategy. But it's humans that we're working with and trying to sell to and prospect to. So create the content for the human and forget the SEO. I'm not saying that SEO is not good. I'm not saying that you don't have to do SEO. But I definitely am suggesting that to have a percentage of your content, which just says, forget the SEO. This feels like the right thing to do based on my understanding and the conversations that I've had with prospects. And also in covering the language that they use. You know, how do they describe things? How do they talk about things? Because as you just talking about there, ultimately, they're going to take that phrase and go into Google or whatever search engine and type that in. And if you're there sort of talking their language as well and using the words that they use, they're going to have that affinity with you straight off the bat. Absolutely. So we've uncovered the topics then that your prospects care about. How do you decide then what sort of content to actually produce? Yeah, so I think the type of content comes down to the people that you're trying to sell to and to market to as well. So depending on who they are and where they are, there might be some specific channels that you want to follow. Personally, I'm a big fan of podcasts, as you know, Matt. And what you could do is speak on podcasts about the topic. And then once you've spoken about a topic for 30, 45 minutes, you've got around a four to 5,000 word script. So you can take that audio, turn it into written blog pieces. It doesn't have to be a 4,000 word blog post. It might be three 1,000 word blog posts once you get rid of the ums and ahs, which naturally come up when you have conversations. And then you've got some long form text-based content, which you could then further repurpose down into social media posts, images. And if the podcast has been video recorded, then you can also create small video snippets from it. If it's just audio, you can also create these things called audiograms, which is what we've come to understand with the little squiggly lines going through and the subtitles on there as well. So there's lots of ways that you can do it, but the ultimate way is to find out how your prospects are actually consuming that information. Makes sense. And also, as you touched on, sort of giving them lots of different ways to consume the certain piece of content. You know, I quite like video stuff, so I quite like watching a video and seeing that, whereas other people are probably quite happy to sort of read through a blog post. Yeah, 
I sign up to webinars just to get the recording so I can listen back to it in my own time, but then also play it on 1.5 or two times speed just to consume the information a little bit quicker. Or it might be that I'm taking the metro to the supermarket or something and I know I've got a 25 minute commute then I'll just pop on an on-demand webinar. I really don't like it when I sign up to a webinar and I don't get the recording. I'm like, ah, damn. I'm exactly the same. <laughs> so once we sort of start to see some signals that the content is working then, how would you sort of increase output of this stuff? Bearing in mind, yeah. you might not be able to hire an agency or perhaps a full-time marketer to help you. Sure. So I think when it comes to output, we've been taught to think about volume, that we have to do X amount of posts or blog posts per month. But what a lot of companies do, and I've been guilty of it as well, it's not a really rare thing, is that you spend so much time creating the content, maybe so much budget creating the content, but you don't do much to distribute it. And what they suggest is you should actually spend more time distributing the content than you do creating it as well. So I would push back and say, perhaps don't worry about the volume, let's create quality and let's make sure that we get as much out of this piece of content as we can possible. So some ways that you can do that is if you could put some paid advertising behind it as well, run brand awareness campaigns. So you're not optimizing for clicks, you're paying for impressions. So more and more people get to see it. And if it's good copywriting in your copy, you can get those clicks without having to pay a premium for the cost per click. So you put that on a CPM model. Just get it out to thousands and thousands of people as well, Matt. Like I can remember, I didn't use LinkedIn at first when I started in recruitment because it just wasn't a platform that had been adopted just yet. Mm. But now it is. Times have changed quite a lot. You can actually go and find thousands of people that fit your buyer persona by doing a simple search on LinkedIn. Let's take that example of the HR director, filter it down to the UK. I haven't looked recently, but I reckon there's more than 7,000 HR directors in the UK. So then that way, I would use my content as a way of starting a conversation with some of these 7,000 people. Now, obviously, you can't connect with people like you used to be able to on LinkedIn. Those golden days are over. I think you're only allowed 100 connections each week. But if you've got a team of three in your marketing, then have the three people connect with 300 people each week and start getting the message out there that way. What I'd suggest in that case is send them a connection request saying, hey, we just put together a guide on how to be the domain expert within your organization. If you're interested, let me know. Send it over to you. There's no form that you have to fill in. I can reply with the link. And that way you're reaching 300 new people on top of the paid advertising that you're doing. Then, of course, you've got cold email, which you can use for your outbound. Starting those conversations with value with some content is far more valuable than saying, Hi, Matt, I see that you work at company name and you breathe oxygen. I also (laughs) breathe oxygen and I'm trying to sell you this product. Buy my stuff, which is unfortunately what a lot of cold emails do. But if you had some content that you could share that you know is going to be valuable or likely to be valuable to that individual, then start the conversation that way. You're getting those pitch emails as well, are you? Oh, yeah. (laughs) And some of this stuff you can put on autopilot. I mean, I've used Phantom Buster, Drop Contact, you can use to sort of enrich content. You can actually use a lot of tools to actually have this sort of whirring in the background almost. You can, yeah. And I think you've got to be careful with some of these tools because they do go against some of the platform's terms of service. Mm. I've used some of these tools before, never had any issues, but I've had a few messages from people saying, Mark, I've got my LinkedIn account banned and blacklisted. Mm. What can I do? (laughs) And I'm like, I have no idea. I've never (laughs) been in that situation. So yeah, use the tools to save you time, I think is probably the best advice I give. But just use them with caution especially if they are going against the terms of service with some of the platforms. Makes total sense. And do you have an example of this sort of strategy in play then for you? Yeah, so I'll talk about an example that we used before when I ran the previous business. So I used to run a business called Task Drive. 
that is a lead research and data enrichment company. So mainly we sold to sales teams, the VP of sales, the SDR manager. And what we started to notice was that when companies had raised a round of funding, let's say a series A round of funding, if they had a sales-led strategy for go-to-market, so they were going to rely on outbound to get the message out there about their product, they often needed data because what they did to get to Series A is very different to what they now need to do now with the new targets they got from the VC money, essentially. Mm. So because I started noticing that as a trend, I then created some content, which was the mistakes to avoid after you've raised a Series A when it comes to sales. I've never raised a Series A, Matt, so I don't really know what mistakes there are. I reached out to a couple of people who had been there, done that, and then a couple of people who implement sales at that stage. And I asked four people the same three questions. And I think they were, what are some of the mistakes to avoid? What are the optimizations they can make? And any last bit of advice for somebody who's just raised a Series A to then take the next steps when it comes to sales. Hmm. And I asked those questions. I think it was 15-minute conversations each from those four people. So I had an hour's worth of content, which I then chopped up into an edited version of a video and then also quite a long blog post. And then I would send that to companies who had just raised a Series A. My message was like, hey, Matt, noticed that you recently raised. I'm thinking from looking at your website that sales might be one of the strategies you're taking to get to the next round. We spoke with four experts who have been there, done that before or currently implementing. And they've listed out three or four main challenges that you might face. Would it be a terrible idea to send this across to you? And the amount of people that replied, and I'm not trying to sell them anything, but when they go that was a really good piece of content. And actually, I need some leads. I need some data. They thought of me rather than me just pitching out saying, hi, I have a database of 20 million people and just buy access to my database. I wasn't even trying to sell to them. But the amount of people that were like, cheers, that's really helpful. What do you do? And the amount of conversations I've had before where I've not tried to sell to people, it's 20 minutes into a 30 minute call. And they're just like, hold on, what do you do? (laughs) Because I'm just not trying to sell. And I think that resonates with people. Nobody likes to be sold to, but we do like to buy things. That's something I've always kept in mind. Yeah, it's the Gary Vaynerchuk book. Is it Give, Give, Jab? Where you're helping first before you're asking. And like you said, nobody wants to be sold on the first call or first message. It just sort of turns you off completely, really. I like to say you've got to earn the right to ask. So earn the right by providing value. I had a customer recently, Matt, sign up. And the first thing he said during the onboarding call was, this has been such a great experience. Can I make any introductions for you? And I was like, yes, I'd love to, but I don't want you to do that yet. Yeah. And the reason why is because you haven't really experienced the value of our service just yet, because the next step is for us to present you with the end of the onboarding, and then it is to book you on some podcasts. So I was like, maybe I'll reach out once we've booked you on a few podcasts and you've had your first interview. So you've seen the full experience. And then I'll ask you to do the referrals because I just know that that referral will be much more powerful once they've experienced even more value from us. And it's just understanding when is the right time to ask that referral in that particular example. And for me, it's when we've given them a lot more value. I'd have said yes. So cold outreach that you're just talking about in that example is slightly different, but somebody who's sort of listening to this and thinking about this kind of approach generally then might be thinking about ROI. You know, ROI is important for a lot of marketeers these days. It's how they sort of justify spend with sort of senior management. So how would you measure a play like this where you're sort of creating content without things like SEO and keyword research at the heart of it? Yeah, well, I think if you're in a position where you're getting tons of organic or direct traffic coming to your site and you're converting very high quality leads, MQLs or sales qualified leads without doing it, then yeah, maybe you don't need outbound. Hmm. 
If you're sitting there and you're missing your quotas and your targets from a marketing point of view, then you probably need to do something differently than you're doing right now. So I think that would be the first thing I'd ask myself is like, do I need to do this? Because can I afford not to? Hmm. That's always been the question that I've asked. We don't particularly at the moment have too much presence on social media from our company account. And the reason being is, Matt, I looked at all of our competitors and neither do they. So because they're not, and I think about the buyer and they're evaluating in their journey, it's really not a priority for us in my specific situation right now. So it's not a channel I'm going to focus on. Although the majority of advice would be, yeah, make sure your LinkedIn company page is updated on a regular basis. But because I understand my market, yes, it's something that would be great to do, but there's other priorities. Hmm. When it comes to the ROI of outbound, so I think what we're really talking about is outbound marketing rather than outbound sales here, because if it's the marketing leader, Mm. and really your ROI is just getting more eyeballs on the pieces of content that you're creating in the first place Mm. and getting that content in front of new people. And you can be really specific with those targeted emails as well, Matt. So you can draw a list of your top 100 dream customers and only send the messages out to those people. So ROI is a bit tricky to measure. If we're talking sales, then you can do the sales math and work out how many meetings can you book? How many of those meetings do you close and what revenue did that resulting? But you could look at particularly the number of impressions that the page gets from the content that you're sharing. I have in the past created two pages, duplicated them. I've non-indexed one of them, so I'm not going to get in trouble for any duplicated content. And I've only sent a specific link to the outbound people so that I can see how many visits that I've got on that particular page. But yeah, when it comes to outbound and ROI, just focus on getting the right eyeballs on the content and then seeing and if you can track those from an attribution point of view in the long run. But multi-touch attribution is a bit of a fallacy, to be honest. I've been there as the head of marketing, sitting down with a salesperson saying, where did this lead come from? (laughs) Knowing that they read a report that marketing created and the sales rep is like, oh no, yeah, I've known them for years. Yeah, it's self-generated. And it's like, it's BS, it's not. (laughs) The marketing attribution will tell you something completely different. So you have three stories for one lead or one opportunity. The wonderful world of B2B. Indeed, indeed. And I guess you could use like a UTM parameter then, could you, for some of those links if you were sending it out through sort of cold outreach? Would that work? You could, yeah. So if you're sending those links to the prospects, yes, you can definitely use UTMs. But what I would recommend is not to send the link in the first email because that's one way to trigger the spam filters. So what you want to do is ask for interest in that first message. Mm. If you listen back to what I said about the Series A, it's like, hi, persona, notice something which is personal and relevant. We've created X, Y, Z. It's going to help because of why. Would you like me to send it over to you? And that's all that this email needs to be. Forget that you're in marketing for a second. Just be a human. And you're just pinging a friend an article about something that you know that they might be interested in. Mm. And that's the way to think about outbound from a marketer's point of view. Because I've been there, Matt, where I used to write the newsletter copy and I used to write blog posts. And all of my marketing messages felt like that. When really, when I stopped and just thought, I'm messaging a human here and I'm going to pretend that this person is a friend of mine and I'm just going to ping them quite a casual message across. Obviously, you've got to keep in mind how your brand voice is for your company. I guess I've been fortunate enough that I've had a bit of creative freedom in the brands I've worked for to put my own personality into the copy. You talk like a human, which is good to hear. So when it comes to the creation of the content, then, what mistakes do people typically make? Yeah, I think a lot of people overthink it, really. Hmm. And a lot of people put pressure on themselves that they're the ones that have to write the copy. So I used to recruit part qualified and newly qualified accountants. And I learned a ton from just speaking to them and asking the right questions. So if you're not the domain expert in your business, I'm sure there's people in your business who are domain experts. You could simply send them a message saying, hi, 
we're going to produce some content on XYZ. I've got three questions. Do you mind if I send you these three questions ahead of time? Mm. And when you have a moment, if we can jump on a 15 minute call where I'm going to record it, ask you the questions, and then I'm going to take what you say as the answers, work my marketing magic on it, and then present it back to you. So you get to sign off. I'm not going to be saying anything or making anything up. I'm just going to add some intro and some outro and tidy it up a little bit. And that's probably the most efficient way to create some content these days. And you could also do the same if you're working in a bigger company because you've got subject matter experts within your company. You know, if you're selling software into accountants, talk to your own accountants. It's slightly different, obviously, if you're in a smaller business, but with a bigger business, you've got those subject matter experts within your company already. And that's totally what I meant, Matt. Speak internally to the people. And then also you've got salespeople who will have an opinion on your product, but they also will have an opinion on the market and customer success people as well. I've been born in the SaaS world, so I always think of customer success, but they have conversations with customers on a daily basis. So looking at some of the key ways that people are using your product or different ways that people are using your solution could be a great piece of content because people don't know what they don't know. And you might not have known that when you started there or when the business was started. I hear often from SaaS founders that, yeah, we've got people using our product and they're doing this really weird thing with it, but it seems to be working. (laughs) So to talk about it, share that, because there's probably other people going, I wish there was a solution for this problem. But your customer success team have a lot of that content. My team at the moment, Matt, I have 17 people and they're not salespeople, Mm. but we are a little bit like in recruitment where you kind of present a candidate for a role and you sell in the candidate. We do do that. We do that for our customers to place them on podcasts. And there's this whole like, oh, I'm not a salesperson. I can't do this. I'm not a salesperson. Mm. But what I remind everybody is, one, they're just making an introduction. And any human can make an introduction. And then the reality is we're all salespeople. We sell ourselves every day from how much we want as a job to work on particular projects or to not work on projects. We all are salespeople. Just people have this on a pedestal. And I think people do that with content as well. But just take the sting out of it. Just say that you want to have a conversation with people to learn a little bit around a particular topic. And then another place to go, Matt, for this content production, which I did use a lot in the past, was listen to podcasts. Mm. I love reading. When I want the foundations, I read a book. When I want the tactics and strategies that are working today, I listen to podcasts. And there's tons of podcasts out there, which are usually talking about the same challenge that you're trying to help solve. So listen to podcasts and absorb that information in. Superb. Excellent. Where would you point people if they want to find more about this generally then? I mean, you've talked about a few ways that people could find information about their own content. But if people wanted to find out a little bit more about how to do this better, where would you sort of point them? Any books, communities, groups, anything like that? Do you know what, Matt? I'm a little bit out of touch with the marketing world of communities, but podcasts, I would just do a keyword search on podcasts. So if there's a specific topic or keyword that you want to look for, there's a website called listennotes.com. And you could go to Listen Notes, put in the keyword, and you'll find podcasts where they've mentioned that. But in terms of the marketing communities, I remember CoSchedule and Buffer were great blogs when it came to content and social strategy. Mm. There's a few fantastic B2B content agencies out there at the moment. One of them is called The Foundation. Definitely worth checking out. Awesome. I quite like the Animals blog as well, actually, if you've ever come across that one. There's some seriously good stuff there. Well, this has been fantastic. Thanks for giving up your time, Mark. If other people have got questions, they want to follow up with you, they want to get in touch with you about your business, how's it best for them to do that? 
Yeah, sure. So if you just want to connect and maybe pick my brain about content, I'm always happy to give my opinions because they're free. It's Mark Colgan on LinkedIn. And if you're thinking about increasing your brand awareness and generating demand by speaking on other people's podcasts, that's what my company at speakonpodcast.com does. And I'm just happy to talk about podcasts as a strategy, whether that's speaking on, advertising on them or starting your own. I love having these conversations. And if I can save a bit of time and answer some questions, I'm happy to. Well, I hear podcasts are quite popular, but I love this strategy generally. You know, I think loads of people can get bogged down in things like SEO and keyword research, but actually just taking it back to what we should be doing, which is giving value to our potential customers or our existing customers, I think is such a powerful play. So thank you very much for sharing that with us. Matt, can I just say one thing which I forgot to mention earlier? Of course. If you're getting pushback from your management or your CEO, a great question to ask them when it comes to content or when it comes to anything is just ask them, what is the last thing you bought and how did you buy it? Hmm. Because they are very unlikely to search for the specific keywords that the company was bidding for or paying for as well. It's more than likely that it was word of mouth, referral, organic social, maybe some paid advertising, maybe they heard it on a podcast. So I've been in that position before where I'm trying to build the ROI case. And my, the best weapon that I ever had was say, okay, okay, Matt, what was the last thing you bought and how did you buy it? And that kind of like is the glass shattering moment in the heads. And then the other thing that I would say as well on that is when it comes to testing out a new channel or strategy, don't put all of your eggs in one basket. Just do a percentage of your marketing or percentage of your budget on that new channel and test it. Give it the full opportunity to get the results. And then if it doesn't work, you're still doing the old marketing or the existing stuff as well. So you minimize the risk on you as well. So just thought I'd add that in there. Fantastic. Well, I really appreciate you giving up your time, Mark. Thank you. Cheers, Matt. Speak to you soon. So that's it for another episode of the Market Mentors podcast. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then please leave a review as that helps the channel going forward. Until next time.